0: Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. We'll continue to discuss the intricate nature of Krishna's external energy and try to uh, work our way through this understanding of what are the uh, two aspects of Maya. The, uh, well, the Sanskrit terms are Nimita, instrumental, causal, what moves Maya. And of course, then there's Nimitta. And a constituent part, Upadhan. So we can see the correlation for don, Upadhan, you know, the, the elemental cause. Earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, false ego. And that's what's moved the movable but there is also the subtle aspect of maya which is as we ended up in the last discussion uh, the, uh, the mitita nimita, the instrumental is well it's generally referred to as the three modes of material nature are pushing pushing this energy. Everything's conducted under the three modes, but where are those three modes coming from? They're coming from karma. So we have action within the three modes of material nature. We have actions that are totally in ignorance, we have actions that are in passion, and we have actions that are in goodness. So really the The instrumental cause, the energy cause of maya is karma. So then we get into the subtle distinction of trying to wrap our understanding around the fact that the jiva, our self, while situated in maya, is separate from even our actions in the modes of material nature. So that we're closely associated, but it's really still not us. We're putting our consciousness, we do have those aspects of the jiva that what we have the ability to Perform an act so, and we can have an experience of an act and we can be aware of it, but still, the jiva itself is not in Maya, we're within the modes of material nature, we're but we ourselves are separated, our true essence, and. We'll note that at different times in the scriptures, in referring to the jiva, even some commentators would would take the terminology jiva and say, well, when you talk about consciousness, individualized consciousness, within the modes of material nature, or within the external energy, or within maya, acting within maya, then that's called a jiva. But if you look at what is truly the essence, that should be referred to as Atma. So there's so many ways to look at these, you know, these these different but we want to walk away from this with a with a full understanding of what actually is is there. Now when we look at the four verses in these these anachetas what are they? 49 through 52. It's really Krishna's instructing Uddhava in the nature of sankhya, and from this, it's interesting. From this, from this, these four verses. What Jiva does is, following in the mood of Sridhar Swami's commentary, he pulls out this from the very last verse. And I want to go over this again with you because this is really the key part of, of what's, what Jeeva is drawing from these verses is of these two categories of manifestation, one is prakriti, material nature, which embodies cause and effect. So from this one phrase... Which embodies cause and effect. The other is the conscious living entity designated as the jiva. So from this one, from these two words, from the cause and the effect, uh, these two terms, jiva finds there as the significant conclusion. Of this beginning of the discussion of sankhya between Arjuna and Uddhava, uh, from these two terms, he he begins his discussion of nimita and upadana aspects of Maya. And tonight we'll continue with that discussion in the next Anuvada. <clears throat> But before we get there, I wanted to... Uh,
1: you just mentioned Prakriti and then what? Prakriti Jiva. and Jiva.
0: Yes. Now that was in the earlier verses. So that might have been, the you know, there, if there was any confusion, it was... You know, this only comes up in the very last verse. The earlier verses, Krishna is talking about the di- only two distinctions, the Purusha and Prakriti. The Purusha is ourselves. We have agency within the material nature. So we have agency, we have cognition, and we have experiential. Those things are attributed to what? The intrinsic qualities of the jiva. So now, how's the jiva wrapped up in material nature? How do we see that? And how do we look at material nature, which seems so alive, I mean it really seems to to have a life of its own if we're this pure living entity, pure consciousness, then how how is it we become so wrapped up in material nature that what we get us we end up in a specific body tailor made from our prior karmic involvements, tailor-made, imagine. It surely seems like it's us, you know. The whole thing is coming about so that we come into this body with truly, uh, you know, what what we would call all these impressions, all this karma, we come into this body and it sure seems like it's ourself. We've made this body by our past activities, but but the very beginning of our understanding of spiritual life, coming from the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, is you know you're not that body. We're all just spirit soul. It makes it seem so easy, you know, we can even write a little jingle and a song by it and we can sing it, you know, in English and like, you know, you're not that, okay, but really, how do I know I'm not this body, you know, I turn around at every turn and, you know, either I'm enjoying or I'm suffering in this body, what else, I don't know anything but the body. My mind is continually talking to me about what to do, what to accept, and what to reject. You know, my circumstance is such that I can can only do so much. I mean, I really want to be the Arnold Schwarzenegger. I really want to be the, you know, whatever, the Billy Gates. I want to be anybody but Trump. But (laughs) (laughs) you see what I'm saying? We have so many desires, but... The body is like, well, maybe I can do that, and maybe I can't. Well, at this age, I'm definitely gonna be not gonna be as rich as Billy Gates. So that's just that's not gonna happen because I don't have any heirs, and I, i you know, any andis- uh what do you call Ancestor. a ancestors that are gonna, you know, lay a big check on me, and I don't play the lottery, so that's out and as far as being as strong as a as a, you know arnold schwarzenegger or a, you know as fast and uh, good as a fighter as uh, bruce lee yeah that's definitely not in my cards either so what i'm not going to i'm not going to be you know i'm getting old i'm getting ugly i'm not going to be as handsome as a brad pitt it's just that the facility is not there but it, it certainly seems like coming into a body that we're really this body. We bring so much with us, you know, that and we may have that aspirations, or we may go on the Internet and be convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that, wow, some people... What is the question of not accepting karma when I can? I can see, what is this little 12-year-old girl... 8 or 12 year old girl composing composing music like never before you know playing a violin playing the piano and and her terminology the way she uses the terminology of music I don't even know what the hell she's talking about (laughs) and I'm practically 70 you know so what kind of karma what's she bringing into that body what she bringing as opposed to what we brought you know of course she may bring be bringing other things that will come up later but let's hope not you know she seems like a nice person we wish her all the best we want to listen to what we want to listen to what she's got to go to compose for us with her talent so this understanding is is it goes really to the heart of what is Sambandha Gyan? When we say Sambandha Gyan, what does that signify? How sign- how important is it? Now, some people will say, "Well, you just want to be Gyanis." Well, they don't even, if they say that, they don't even know what a Gyani is. This is Gyan is means knowledge, but we're obtaining some bandagyan in order to nurture spiritual life. We don't, if it didn't nurture if these understandings which the founding acharyas of our sampradaya, our immediate sampradaya sin Sri Mahaprabhu, if these things were were not important to our understanding of what we are and our understanding of the Lord and all his various energies, and how we're immersed in the external energy, if it wasn't important, well, why did these Acharyas take all the trouble to to write down these books? Bhakti-rasa-brita, Sindhu, Brihad-Bhagavat-rita, they all commented on the Srimad Bhagavatam, you know, the Sundarvas, and then all the other corollary literatures and the high esoteric literatures that are... Well, for me, beyond this life's reading, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around the fact that I'm not this body. (laughs) Truthfully, knowing, factually, I'm not this body. That's what Jiva's giving us here in Paramatma Sandarbha. Do I know it yet? No. Now I'm I'm reading this, it's like, I read the Bhagavatam, and I have to be honest with you, I've read the Bhagavatam many, many times in this lifetime. I've had that good fortune that that's always attracted me to just continually reading the Bhagavata. I never pulled these kind of things out of my reading. Mm -hmm. I never read the 11th canto and came away with this understanding. You know, it just, I read Vishwanath's commentary and, and I didn't come away with these understandings. So what Jiva's done for us is very significant. He's given us these six sandharvas, four of them just dealing with sambandha. Sambandha in relationship to Krishna, in relationship to pure unalloyed devotion. Sambandha is, it's the conceptual orientation that we utilize in order to Strive for an accomplishment. So Sambandha, our Sambandha is going to be different from another Sampradaya's Sambandha. Our conceptual orientation is based on an understanding which has come to us primarily based upon the interpretations of Shastra, the shastric conclusions that have been drawn from all the all the texts based on Lord Chaitanya's teachings to his to the Goswamis, to his direct disciples. Take and he told the Goswamis... they had to, they had two things to do, two assignments in going to Vrindavan. One was to excavate the holy places of pilgrimage, That apparently had not been fully disclosed. They also has to excavate from all the all the Vedas and all the spiritual literature the the conclusions that supported his presentation of unloyed devotion, his so they did two things as the founding acharyas of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. So the Gaudiya Sampradaya starts with Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and comes up to date. Before that was a Brahma and then Madhva, gave his interpretations to that in a more modern context and in the most modern context we have Sri Caitanya Mahaprabhu. And all that's been canonized by these Goswamis. So, yeah, it's terse. It's, It's, you know, there's a lot here to absorb ourselves in, in trying to grasp these concepts. But these concepts let us know beyond a shadow of a doubt how, especially in this part portion of the, of the Paramatmas and Dharma, how we're really not this body and how really entangling the Lord's external energy is. So to hear that it's just matter, you're not this body, I'm not a lump of, of matter, okay, that's all right, but what about all this other stuff that binds me to the matter. This other stuff that what? Creates the body that I'm in and places me in the environment, the culture in which I'm conducting a lifetime. How much more is that than just the elements, earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego? These are just the constituent parts the Upadana. So, the Upadana and the Namita. So, I just want to read this one thing uh, one thing from the commentary kind of summarized what I just said and I think everybody everything else in this 49th through 57th, 57th Second Anucheda, we've covered pretty thoroughly. So, Sachin Ryan writes as follows in the very beginning of his explanation, his commentary on these four Anuchetas. <coughs> the extrinsic energy called Maya has two divisions, namely Nimita and Upadana. The three gunas are the Nimita, or instrumental cause, and Perdana, which transforms as matter is the Upadana, or constituent cause. To explain this, Sri Jiva refers to Bhagavan, Sri Krishna's instructions on Sankhya philosophy to Uddhava. Sankhya posits that Prakriti undergoes various stages of modification. Under the influence of Paramatma's time energy, the material world undergoes cycles of creation and dissolution, like day and night. During the creation, jivas perform actions and suffer or enjoy the outcome of their meritorious or unmeritorious deeds. At the time of dissolution, the evolutes of prakriti merge back into their respective causes and ultimately back into prakriti, which remains in an inactive state. During this period, the jivas have no physical bodies and their residual karma, called destiny or daiva, remains with them. This diva is instrumental in bringing forth corresponding new bodies in the next cycle of creation. So this this whole evolution of the elements, when we look at sankhya philosophy, and Jiva is not going to get into it here in detail. I, I at least as far as I've studied ahead, but this whole evolution of the various senses, the fact that First, you know, we have a sense, uh, we have an element, a subtle element, uh, like the ability to hear, and then there has to be an element, uh, something to hear, tan mantra, which would be sound, and then the media, the media for carrying that sound, the instrument for receiving the sound, and then the, the physical location of this instrument. So all these evolutes gradually come out, and that's what Sankhya explains. First, first you have the sound, and then you have to ha- be able to have the sound Carry. carried, a carrier for the sound, mm-hmm. ether. And then you'd have to have a sense to perceive the sound, and that would be the hearing. And then you'd have to have a seat for hearing, and that would be a physical sense, the ear. And then you put all that together for all the different senses into one group, and you have a body. So that's basically what Sankhya explains. It's just this coming out and then this going back. And you'll notice when we read the Bhagavatam and we read even in the very beginning about um, even even you hear in the beginning where uh, who is it? Oh, I said, believe Narda. Narda. Anyway, they're explaining to Yudhisthira you know, Vidura came back to Hastinapur and he convinced Dhritarashtra that it's, it's time to wrap up things. You need to get out of this place. You know, look at, look, at, you're, look at, you're blind. Well, you've been blind since the beginning of your life, but now you're just, all your senses, you can hardly hear, you can't eat anything. I mean, and you're being kept like a dog by your enemy. I mean, look, you fought the Pandavas your whole life and they won, and now you're just living in their palace like a dog. They're just throwing you some scraps. Now, of course, Ulysses and his brothers didn't feel that way about Dhritarashtra and his wife, but still, you know, sometimes in preaching, you know, things are put in a different perspective in order to to kind of give us an impetus to to move along in our in our in our spiritual progress. So. You know, sometimes the guru will call us a fool. Sometimes, you know, everything that we've done will be looked upon like, well, you haven't done anything yet. You know, it's like, what do you mean? I've been here for 40 years. I haven't done anything yet. And yeah, I feel like that sometimes. Yeah, I I haven't even scratched the surface of what is spiritual life, you know, after all this time. So, wow. So much I thought I'd put in, and really it doesn't amount to a lot, so here, Straderoster, at the end of his life, you know, he thought he was he was given a kingdom without qualification, he was a fill-in king, and you know he thought he was at the top of his game, and he just want, he wanted his son to stay there, so he arranged this whole thing and and what happens? he can't he's not successful. He can't get rid of these, you know, these uh, nephews. Couldn't couldn't destroy them. Boy, did he try. Put a lot of energy into it. So all this energy to just put forth and create a dynasty in his name. I want my son, Dryoden. He needs to be the king of the world. Let me do whatever's necessary to do that. Whatever palace intrigue, I need to do. That's that's the best, really. I'm 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 an okay king, and I'm blind. So much, so we could see all this, and at the end of life, but we notice in that discourse that even he, Vedura, instructed him on self-realization. Please, and and for self-realization, you go out. You need to leave the palace. You need to meditate here, at least at the end of life. And he took him seriously. I mean, really, it's to his credit. He took him seriously. And at the end, in the description, even in the Bhagavatam, it talks about him wrapping up his senses. How much power did even Dhritarashtra have that at the end of his life he could could generate the yogic power necessary to consume his body in fire that's how powerful he became in no time at all under vidura's instruction and he he attained liberation but he didn't attain bhakti Vishwanath points out in his commentary there in the bhagavatam that Vidura did not give him Bhakti because of his offenses to the devotees, mm-hmm. his offenses to the Pandavas. That would raise a whole other discourse, which we're not going to enter to tonight. But anyway, so we can see, but this same, and this is the not the only narration in the Bhagavatam where this wrapping up is completely explained. So this Diva, again referred to as Diva, this destiny is now going to be further explained in the next anochita um, that Jiva Goswami uses to deepen our understanding of these two aspects of the Lord's external energy. Nimita and uh, Upadan. So, Can you spell Nimita? N I M I T T A. Thank you. So let's go on to the next. So the ins- instrumental and constituent aspects of Maya. Anucheda 53, the Upadan and Nimita divisions of Maya. Jiva Swami continues in this Anucheda. Elsewhere, Juwara, fever personified, speaks to Bhagavan about the distinction between these two parts of Maya in the form of Upadan and Nimita by describing their differing functions. Then Jiva Goswami quotes a verse from the tenth canto, and this tenth canto is is a is basically. The fever weapon of Shiva has been defeated by Krishna's fever weapon. So Shiva, there was a little little bit of a fight there. So maybe we should go through the story that gets up to this verse uh, before actually discussing the verse. So there was this princess and she had a dream. Once upon a time there was a princess in a castle and she had a she had no, she had a father who was very powerful and he worshipped Lord Shiva. Now this this particular uh, princess uh, was, well, let's see, that would be, the, his her great-great-grandfather was Pallad Maharaj. And uh, her father uh, was a grandson. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we have to go back. Bali was a grandson of Pralad, And his elder son, eldest son, Banasura, was a great devotee of Lord Shiva. So he had a capital and he had, the, he had a d- young daughter named Usa. and Usa had a dream. She was coming of age and she had a dream. and in her dream she fell she met the love of her life in the dream. And she awoke from the dream. Now these princesses, they, they're not alone, so they have a lot of a lot of other uh, servant girls around them. So she awakes from this dream and she's she's like crying out, oh, where are you, my darling? (laughs) And one of her assistants, by the name of Chitraleka, said, oh, what? Who who are you talking about? She said, oh, I don't know, but boy, he is the most beautiful prince in the world and I I know I'm going to marry him. I just have to marry him. So she said, well... So Chitraleka was very talented, and one of her talents was she was a good artist, in ad- addition to other mystic powers. So she said, well, okay. And she she knew all the princes, all the prominent princes in the lands, and she began to draw these princes and, and show them to uh, Usa. Is this him? No. Is this him? And then all of a sudden she draws a picture and she says is it this one and she, she 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 can't even answer she's like oh yeah <laughs> that's him oh him yeah well his name just for so the just for the record so you know his name's ani ruda and uh you know she's a, he's a uh, grandson of uh, bhagavan Sri krishna and uh So this is the one you've fallen in love with in your dreams. She said, yes, this is the man I want to marry. She said, okay, well, I'm your friend, and I'll be glad to help you. So she had some powers, so she brought Aniruda. Kidnapped him. Yeah, kidnapped him and brought him into this princess, Usa's, inner chamber. And they started to have a young love affair. Now, the inner chambers of the princess, like that you know are 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 sacrosanct no one no one gets in or out and uh there's a usually there's eunuchs that you know guard the gates. so the eunuchs were observing Usa and they recognized that uh, well, she's lost her virginity. They could just detect it and had some sense of what was going on. And they had to go back to Bonasura and they went to Bonasura and he said, your daughter, she's, she's having sex in the palace. And <clears throat> so Bonasura becomes furious and he act- he actually goes to the inner inner chambers of his daughter and uh sure enough there was Aniruda and he became very very much uh, upset and he imprisoned Aniruda and well none of the narda took the news to <laughs> to Krishna so Narada he gets around even if he's not there it seems that he's there and he knows what's, who's doing what where and how they're doing it so he told this to Krishna and Krishna's you know well this is Krishna's grandson Krishna has to go and and you know make sure that his grandson is relieved of uh, imprisonment so he goes there and Banasura, as we mentioned was a was a very staunch uh, devotee of Lord Shiva. So he enlisted Lord Shiva on his behalf, knowing the powers of Krishna, to, you know, listen, this is what happened and you have to back me up here. I Look at how I'm your worshiper, I'm your devotee, I've done all this worship of you, now you, you have to stand up for me. So Shiva actually did come and entered into a battle with, with uh, Krishna, and uh, for weapons, they they released fever weapons. Shiva released a, a weapon to to with a physical malady, you know, against Krishna. And so we have the Shiva Jwara, but uh, Krishna had his own fever weapon, and his was a little more powerful, and uh, it defeated. Uh, his Narayan Dwara, his fever defeated uh, Krishna's fever weapon. So, huh? I thought
1: somebody said it was cold.
0: Well, in this commentary, it says Krishna released his own fever weapon. Huh. So maybe his fever weapon was the cold it aspect cold. of fever, and Shiva's was the hot aspect of fever, because fevers yeah. go through two aspects, heat and cold. Yeah. So so this prayer that is being presented is when the fever weapon of Shiva was defeated then it offered prayers to Krishna. So the prayer part of the prayer has some deep philosophy in it and that's going to be used here to bring out more information for our deeper understanding of the Namita and Upadana aspects of Maya. So, from the 10th Canto, 63rd chapter Time, Destiny, Karma The Jiva, Innate Disposition Subtle matter, the presentational field, the vital force, the empirical self, the modifications of Prakriti, the body, the continuous flow in the form of seed and sprout. All these constitute your Maya. I take shelter in you, the prohibitor of Maya. So, this is the prayer that was offered to Krishna. The uh, Shiva Dwara was taking shelter of Krishna. And offering this prayer, what a prayer! So, what do we? Where do we come from with this prayer? What's it mean in this context? Well, for that understanding, Jiva Goswami in this Anuchaya again presents the explanation of Sridhar Swami. So, the Anucheta continues. Swami comments, meaning Sridhar Swami. Time is the precipitator. Previous actions is the instrumental cause. The same karma, when manifest as on the verge of delivering its fruit, is called uh, daiva or destiny. Innate disposition is made up of the unconscious impressions left by karma. The jiva is that entity to whom these attributes belong. Matter means the subtle or causal elements. The presentational field is material nature as a whole. The vital force means sutra, or the first modification of prakriti. Uh, the empiric self, atma here, means ego, or I-consciousness, ahankara. our Swami continues... The modifications of Prakriti are sixteen, namely the eleven senses and the five gross material elements. Their combination is the body. The body is implicated in a continuous repeated flow or series, like that of a seed and sprout. A sprout, whereas the karma performed by the body is like the seed, bija. From this seed arises the body like a sprout. In other words, it's a continuous cycle like a seed. The plant comes up from the plant, you get a flower from the flowers, you get seeds, the seeds fall on the ground and you get more plants. So sh- this is how Shiva, I'm oh, sorry, Shira Swami's explaining karma. Your karma is sprouting up, you're enjoying that and just when you you know when you're moving on, there's another seed and then that one's coming up and there's more so it's a continuous sprouting of seeds. And then the the manifestation of a plant, which is the the fruit of your karma, comes from that plant. And that fruit, of course, comes more seeds because you get more implicated. So it's a continual cycle like a seed and a plant. So that's his, his analogy when it comes to karma. Uh, from this, again, the seed emerges in the form of karma. All this is called the flow of karma. I worship Prabhupada, you Vishnu, who are the ultimate or final prohibitor of all this Maya. Thus ends Sridhar comments. Now, Jiva Goswami explains Sridhar's commentary (laughs) for us. And there's a few things that are interesting here. So, Jiva now gets a little, looks at it and and looks at it from a more technical viewpoint, we could say. He says, in this verse, Kala, Daiva, Karma, and Swabhav are the Nimita, instrumental part of Maya. So, basically, the verse from the Bhagavatam is talking about all these different aspects of Krishna's external energy, Maya. So, now Jiva. First, Shridhar Swami, using Shridhar Swami's commentary, all these were broken out. This is what these specific Sanskrit terms in the verse are. And now, Jiva Goswami is further characterizing these particular aspects of Maya into what are the instrumental and what are the, both the instrumental and also the constituent parts of Maya. So, Kala, time. Daiva, karma. Daiva in this instance meaning uh, precipitate of coward namita and the versions or karma. Destiny. Destiny, daiva. We've gone over that before. Innate disposi- disposition, swabava. Uh, and karma are the nimitta instrumental part of maya, or the extrinsic energy, bahiranga shakti. The rest are the upadhan part, the constituent ingredients. But the jiva who possesses all these properties, tanvan, is made up of both. Wait. So, again, we have to understand, were we saying the jiva is made up of both? No, that's not really what's meant. It means the jiva immersed in a material situation uh, takes on the characteristics of both. We take on the characteristics of a body, but we're not the body. But it sure seems like. And our karma, the way it plays out in this body, the impressions we come into the body with, the karmic reactions that are are fructifying. That's really, that's what we are in material nature. So, the jiva who possesses all these properties is made up of both. So we're the possessor of both the constituent part and the instrumental part. A part, jiva goes on to explain, a part of the instrumental potency, Nimita shakti also proceeds correspondingly into the set of constituent ingredients, Upadan, such as the I-consciousness, aham bhava, of the jiva entering into the element called aham, which characterizes the limitations, upadhi of the jiva. This is the result of avidya, ignorance, as is said in the sixth chapter of the third canto. Wow. What's that mean? Well, really, what's it mean? It means basically that instrumental cause, that karma that we're carrying, and not only the karma, but the inclinations, the impressions we have from our prior lives, those carry into the constituent parts of our material life. In other words, we have a body, but the body is different in everyone's body is a little different based on the karma we bring. So we can see there's a little... Well, there's a lot of of carryover from the instrumental cause, our karmic activity, our samskaras, what our inclinations are. All these things carry into the physical aspect of our existence, also. So there's seepage there between these two aspects of instrumental and constituent of Maya. See what? So Jeeva's bringing this out. And if you think, it makes perfect sense that, you know, this aspect of maya, the instrumental aspect of maya, it helps produce the physical aspects of our existence. So much so. How much so? Look at it. Your your body, it comes into a certain culture, so you have culture influences, your Board in a certain society of man if you get a human form of life or animals or trees or plants or whatever it all carries whatever those different, different influences are that karmic involvement that carries over into the physical manifestations that the living entity takes within the Lord's external energy so this these two are are different, but they also, pl- you know, the 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 physical follows the causal. And what's the causal follow? The conscious. The conscious is fully pure, but it takes on specifically. And what Jiva brings out here is a hunkar the false acceptance of that material situation as myself, when it really has nothing to do with me, except the fact that I've got myself convinced that it does, because of the degree to which ignorance, I'm influenced by the mode of ignorance. Gradually, we can remove the boat of ignorance, and by that gradual removal, we can come to the state of of perfection in human in human existence, and actually to the to the state of realization. And that's going to come out a little bit more as we progress here. And these uh, jiva kind of walks us through that, just by having these understandings. This is the result of avidya ignorance, as is said in the sixth chapter of the third canto. So 6th chapter. So that gets us a little bit through this fifty-third anuccheda. There's some more here, and uh, we'll continue from there next class. Are there any questions?
1: Mm-hmm. Reading that just the original verse from the Shiva Dvara?
0: hmm It's basically just a listing of the different cons- constituents. I just
1: yeah I I just when you read it I just kind of somehow I was right up there with you until you read it and then I just
0: out. Okay, so baby it's just a list of material elements both instrumental mm-hmm. and elemental. Okay. Instrumental and elemental is another way we can look at at so Namita you, and you know upadana. The is
1: just praying. Yeah, them. just
0: praying, and of course it's in the Bhagavatam. and the Bhagavatam, everything is just just pregnant with meanings that are just unlimited. So how and this is this is really the 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 true genius of Jiva Goswami is to is to take all this from the Bhagavatam because what is the Bhagavatam presenting? It's presenting Sambanda, Avideya, and Prayojan. Mm-hmm. Throughout it, it's just ripe with all this knowledge, but those three things are not presented systematically in the Bhagavatam. They're, it's not like, okay, Srila Vyasa is saying, well, this particular Purana we're going to take from this Let's go systematically through it. It wasn't like Pariksit asked questions about Sambanda, Avideya, and Paryojan, although his questions were about Sambanda, Avideya, and Paryojan. But, you know, so Jeeva's taken it and he's systematically drawn out, you know, these four Sundarvas based on Sambanda. Then, he's, then he'll bring out the bhakti-sandharva and then the preti-sandharva, sambhanda, Abide and prayojan. So it's, it's quite amazing the way he's done that. So this verse, from this verse, he's, he's bringing out, here's a place in the Bhagavatam where you can find both these aspects of Maya broken down into parts. The parts are time, destiny, karma, the jiva. The jiva here meaning the conditioned state of the jiva, not the jiva as a spiritual conscious entity. Innate disposition, swabhava. We have a nature. Some are born, you know, some have a nature. Well, if if we're born into a society that's advanced, then that nature is picked up on and it's it's that's what becomes what is Varnashram Dharma some people are inclined to just serve everybody some people are inclined for you know to protection some people are inclined to administration and protection some people are inclined to to production some are inclined to, to spiritual knowledge so the sudras uh, the vices the Satriyas, and the Brahmanas. So, Swabhava, what's our inclination? What We come into this life and we have an inclination. We're born into a family that supports that inclination. Does that inclination have anything to do with spiritual life? No, but it does too. We can't say that it doesn't, because even Krishna says, well, if you don't complete your course, you're born into a wealthy family or you're born into a family of, of devotees if you're really, you know, if you're more along. Time, destiny, karma, the jiva, innate disposition, subtle matter, the presentation of feel, the vital force, the empirical self, the modifications of pakriti, the body, the continuous flow in the form of seed and sprout all these constitute your maya i take shelter in you the prohibitor of maya anything else
1: um, you were saying uh, you were saying let me see if i understand this correctly so the um, we uh, we are moved by karma the and the task chapter is we are, in this world, we are moved by karma. Karma is moving us. Does... But our
0: karma is moving us. Our karma. So who did the moving initially? We. We, yes. Okay. Okay. So we initially, we initiate in a circular fashion, like a seed and a plant, mm-hmm. karma. So it's mm-hmm. not that karma... Yes, we move in such a way that we create karma, and that that karma does move us. So yeah, it's a circular thing. You're not going to find you're not which is it which came first, the seed or the plant? Well, you can't say which came first. that no
1: there.
0: There's no beginning. It's beginningless, and that beginningless. Uh, the beginninglessness of that will be dealt with in in one of the next couple of anachetas, which you know Jiva gets right into it. Okay, well we say it's beginningless. He he poses a you know the question. Well, how is it, how is it beginningless? So it's interesting when when we get there, you'll find it very interesting how he deals with the fact that although it's beginningless, karma has an end. The possibility of moksha is there, you know, an ending. So, which is it? Is the condition? Is the soul, you know, conditioned or things that are apparently contradictory and and difficult to understand can be comprehended? Just like that's the whole concept of Subda brahman. Subda is its self actual. Self-actualizing uh, scripture; it 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 manifests itself. It's it's not just you know words on paper. It's not just you know sound vibration coming from the lips of the sadhu. It's not that at all. It has its own potency, as as uh, Gurumayi says. It has an agenda of its own. So scripture has its own agenda. And it's gonna take us. So that's the trans empirical nature of spiritual knowledge is is when we start to look at it that way that that this even when even in our japa if we start thinking about it, this is this is Krishna's energy here, it's doing its thing. I'm chanting my rounds, no. I'm, I'm just, I'm along for the ride. This is Krishna's and that's what Bhaktivedo, he talks like that. Let your holy name dance on my tongue and, and enter into my heart and transform me. Not that, oh, I'm chanting my rounds. It's not the consciousness. The consciousness is Krishna is so kind, through the agency of the sadhu, He's 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 coming onto my tongue by the agency of the sadhu said here's this mantra you know vibrate this mantra but who's doing the vibrating well Krishna's the one that's dancing on the tongue Krishna's the one that can enter the heart and Krishna's cleansing the heart through that entrance shaito, darpanam, So this is all Krishna's compassion then, the mantra, the
1: shastra
0: no no not Krishna's compassion
1: Right,
0: it's, hmm. yeah, it's it's the devotee comes from the sadhu. Otherwise, you could say Krishna is partial. Well, you're only coming to this person and not to that person. So no, it's it's the sadhu. Well, ultimately, the head of the sadhus, as you say, Radharani. So yeah. Otherwise, Krishna would have Krishna would have to be. We'd say Krishna is partial, and then the whole thing. He's partial to the desires of his devotee, and the devotee's introducing. Introducing him to human humanity. Yes. So,
1: oh, go ahead, you first. Um, so you were saying that, if I remember correctly, you had said that the upadhan um, um, was moved by uh, is moved by karma, but the way I see it is that. We are moved by karma, and then we move the upadana, because it doesn't move, right? The
0: well, both both aspects, both acts expe- As I said, it's it's like it's a, 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 a plant. That it's a cycle. Yeah. So.
1: Because, I mean, the things don't move on its own. The, 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 it's the, actually the jiva that moves the moves the matter matter. Mm. He's saying you know like the G. Karma, karma doesn't picks up that. the cartolways.
0: Yeah, the G moves it. Okay. Just moves
1: it and out. it doesn't move it. And he's going to the demigod the Diva doesn't move it. Oh <laughs> okay. Oh my this. Yeah, so then I mean we
0: have to this this knowledge is just to enter into it, it's it doesn't fit, fit but between the ears, but that doesn't mean, you know, it it's not comprehensible. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fit, but it's still it's still something that can be realized. When it comes to karma, well, karma, karma has, it has nothing to do with us, but it has everything to do with our false sense of being. But really, it's not us. <coughs> so what's who's moving who? Krishna says it's all moving by his direction. so jiva loke jiva bhuta we're involved in material nature. We think we're, we think we're the doer, when in actuality, Krishna's moving everything. But we really think it's us. We're doing this. It sure seems like it. And we get a body based on the way we think and associate. So, all right, we'll stop there for this evening. Thank you so much.